0: see your outline there, the challenge to go the step beyond, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 through 48 <clears throat> is our text tonight. Um, the text reads to us, and the Bible says, our Lord says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect introduction there you see uh, lays out some thoughts for us and I'll add some thoughts to that as we uh, go through uh, this introduction together. Number one, you see that some of Jesus' most effective teaching was done through asking challenging questions. There in the text we just read, he asked two uh, challenging questions, didn't he? Uh, Two specific questions. What were they? Can you pick them out? What's one of them? For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? What was the second one? Yeah, if you just greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? And he compares it to the tax collectors again. When our Lord always says, you have heard it said, what's he referring to? The old times, the Pharisees, scribes, old time old people, older prophets and things. Mainly the Pharisees and and scribes and those things, because they were real good keepers of the law, but they didn't do what? They didn't practice. They knew the law every jot and tittle, every dot, every t. They knew everything about it. But he said, "You've heard it said." And he tells you the opposite, doesn't he? Yeah, it was tradition. A lot of their traditions. Uh, He said, You've heard it said that you should do what? What did he say? Love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Sadducees and publicans and Pharisees and um. so <clears throat> our Lord's laying out two specific questions here and basically in our introduction we can see that all men do some good even those considered more sinful now, many factors encourage this way of thinking. Our family and affections, requirements of society, laws of men, rewards of society for good actions, natural affection for other human beings, etc. But followers of Christ are called, he said, he compares it there, he says, doesn't the just the normal people do that? It's basically what he's saying it. Don't they just normal people? He, he says the, what do you say, the publicans, uh, tax collectors, don't they, they do that? But you as a Christian are called what? Do to do more. A higher calling. Going that step beyond. Now, as Christians, we're called to do a higher calling in a lot of areas, not just to love your neighbor and love your enemy. We're a higher, we're higher called people to a lot of things, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, a whole lot of stuff. When it comes to, you know, putting Christ first and religion and the whole nine yards, we're called to a higher standard. He says you're uh, not to be of the world, not to love the world, other things that are in the world. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people, he says, in Scripture. Paul writes that, doesn't he? You're peculiar people. You're, a, you're called to a higher standard. What does that say about us? Now, I'm not, we're talking about this right here particularly particular, we're talking about loving your enemies and, and your neighbor, this, that, and the other, but think about it as a big picture, big whole picture, as Christianity. We're called to a higher calling. We're to go a step beyond we're not to be like everybody else. <clears throat> now, I had this conversation just today. The lady and I was discussing Bible, and we got talking about how sometimes people view, and I think I mentioned this Sunday or in a class somewhere. I don't know where I was at. I know I mentioned it somewhere. But sometimes people look at you differently, don't they, if you're a Christian. Sometimes they might even call you what? Weird? You think you're better than me? You think you're the only one going to heaven? Let me ask you a question. Can all people go to heaven? They can't on Facebook. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can all people go to heaven? I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying. Can all people go to heaven? Yes, everybody has a chance to go to heaven, but not everybody can go to heaven. Yeah, everybody. Society. Yeah. According to Facebook. I mean, if somebody dies on Facebook. You get them on Facebook. They they in heaven. They sitting right next to the Lord. In society, but let me tell you, all people can't go to heaven. They have a chance, Neil, to go to heaven. But all people can't go to heaven. I don't care how good you person you are. Change the to Do that again? Change the to won't. Yeah, won't go to heaven. Okay, let me put it that way. Won't go to heaven but they, they cannot and will not and they won't go to heaven. We can put any kind of whatever we want to in there, can't we? Yeah, they, they're not going to go. But again, those people who are to a call to a higher calling, we have that hope. But we have to live up to what? Yeah, what, God expects. what God expects, that higher calling. We have to live up to that. We're a different people. We're a peculiar people. So again, with all that said, our Lord said that you're doing doing just what normal people do. As I teach my children and you teach your children about work, work ethics. Go a step beyond. Do just a little more than what's asked of you. It goes a long way with an employer, doesn't it? It goes a real long way with the Lord. <laughs> but that's the mentality we should teach. You know, our children and, and of course, again, our, ourselves as well. We're called to a higher economy. If we live like the world, under that last fund number five there in introduction, If we live like the world, what challenge is there in following Christ? If we only love those who love us, what are we doing more than they? So the challenge here is to love who? Everybody. Everybody, but especially, he focuses on the enemy here, doesn't he? Those who don't like you. Now that's hard, ain't it? Don't say you gotta like Yeah, do I mean you gotta have a spend night party, does I mean you gotta have I've always said that. Yeah. about yeah. I mean, we may not be going fishing together. Is that right, Neil? Neil likes I said it right. I said, right. I said right. <laughs> we may not go to fishing together. We may not we like them not that much, right? Um but he says, love them. Don't wish evil on them. How many times has someone wronged us that we wished evil on them? Boy, I wish I wish a truck run over you. You ever thought that? I wish, wish you'd fall off a cliff. That's not the right attitude, is it? Point number one, Jesus challenges us to honestly evaluate. Now that's key right here. Evaluate ourselves. Being too satisfied with our lives can be dangerous. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse twelve. If you get there, read it. Therefore, him fall. Take heed, lest ye fall. Therefore, who thinks that he stands, what's that saying to us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's easy to do. I've seen that happen through the years, many times. Luke 18, verse 9, he spoke the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Remember, we're thinking about being too satisfied with our lives. It can be dangerous. We must honestly evaluate ourselves. Humility and honesty... Pays big dividends with God. Now I hear that. Humility and honesty. Pays big dividends with God. What are we saying there? Those who have or can develop humility and honesty. What? It's going to pay off, isn't it? How's it going to pay off? It's what, God of us. it's what God requires of us. Humble people, having humility is going to get us to heaven, isn't it? Because if we have humility, what are we willing to do? Submit Submit to the will of God. When, when things need to be repented of, what are we going to do? We're going to repent of it. When things need to be straightened up or... When 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 I'm acting too much like the world, what am I gonna do? Well change it, aren't I? Yeah. That's humility. That parable that you just referred to there in Luke 18, you know. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but he that humbles himself will be exalted. That's just simple words, isn't it? He who exalts himself will be what? Humble? Those who are humbled will be exalted. Take the back seat if you go in, because you know where move up, right? Yeah, that's a good thought. Well, that's Jesus said that, you know. Yeah. And he was teaching. He was teaching. peace. Yep. So, having humility and being humble dishonesty on the other hand now we talked about being honest and having humility um, but the B part there um, having the uh, dishonesty and deception must be dealt with in our lives when we sin if we confess those sins he's what just and willing to forgive us. So, with that said, dishonesty and deception may be dealt with in our lives. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. Honesty about oneself is not easy. Think about that. Being honest with ourselves is not easy. What do we mean that? What would be, what would be the things that we do, that be honest with ourselves? What, what are we referring to there, class? All our faults. That admit that you're wrong. Brandon, why does she look at you when you, she says something? You don't know. <laughs> I love picking on Brandon. He, he, he just kind of sits there and takes everything in. And when I bring him out, he's like, oh. He points over. her. Admit when you're wrong. I have to do it three or four, four times a day. It's not easy to admit that you're wrong. Is that right, Zolly? Right. That's right. That ain't easy, is it? Oh, none of us won't be wrong. So, you think we're right, most of the time? Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I like how you said it. We tend to think we're right. That's the key, ain't it? Yeah, because a lot of times, yeah, lot of times our, our mentality is my way is the best way, the right way, the only way. I don't care what you think. Now, when it comes to scriptural, biblical things, it's not my way, it's Christ's way, God's way, right? There's no dealing, there's no changing with that. Um, But being honest with ourselves is difficult. Think about this as I ask you this. Can I honestly face up to my desire for the wrong things? things that we desire that we know are wrong? Am I willing to admit that I'm self-centered too much? Hmm. Self-centered, what is self-centeredness? All about me, all about me. Marriages sometimes suffer in that. Sometimes marriages suffer, it's all about me. And a lot of times you got one side going, well, he thinks it's all about him, and he's over here going, well, she thinks it's all about her. Well, it sounds like both of you got a problem to me. There's no room for that in marriages, is it? No. Your centeredness should be about your spouse, it's not about me. What can I do for her? Or for him. And it should go both ways, right? Yeah. Uh, self-centeredness is not spirituality and Christianity. Who should our centeredness be about? What should be the center of us? God. Christ. God's will. That takes care of that kind of problem, doesn't it? Can I openly admit I do things to get recognition? What about that? Anybody ever been guilty of that? I see some heads going, yeah, I have. We all like to have recognition, don't we? We all like to be patted on the back. We all like to say, boy, you're good. Boy, you're great. Yeah, everybody wants that. Like the other day, our kids in our gym at elementary school, I was telling them what great kids they were. I may have shared this with you. I don't know. A little boy coming to me in tears, and he said, I'm about to cry. I said, why? He said, because you told me I'm so good. Our kids normally don't hear that. How many times, you think about your own children. How many times do they hear you say, I'm very, very proud of you? or even grandchildren. How many times they hear mama and daddy say that? On a regular basis? Once every month, six months? They need to hear how good they are. They need to know how good that you think they are. Even if you have to get on to them. I'm not saying excuse that. (laughs) But they need they, they, they give us a, they give us a percentage in the behavior world I can't remember now I have to go back to my notes but it's so many 20 something times you got to say something positive to a kid to overcome one negative statement you've got to tell them 20 something times something positive I can't remember to overcome that effect that negative has on them um, right now uh in our school we have a we have a a kindergarten group that is not like none other kindergarten group I've seen in all of my years of teaching. That's the truth. I know your kids in kindergarten. <laughs> he ain't one of them. Uh, but they're they're, they're they, they come they come from I, I've, the way I can figure it out when I'm talking to them because they tell you stuff, and they come from really 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 unstructured homes. I mean no structure. For for you to tell them to sit down, you must tell them at least five to eight times before it ever registers. And then they go, why? So you can tell that they have no structure in their home. None. Um, of course they look at Mr. Matthew as a big bad bear um, because I'm this big giant guy. And they're all looking up, going, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. They used to saying yes, ma'am, all day long to their female teachers. <laughs> so they don't say yes, sir, to me, they say yes, ma'am. <laughs> I don't even acknowledge it anymore. <laughs> I just said, okay, at least they're speaking respectfully. Um What about my desire to have power over others? A desire of social acceptance, even if I have to compromise. Think about that. My desire for this world is greater than my desire for heaven. Without honesty, I quickly forget these things. And the word of God has no effect upon my life. Um, Number two, Jesus is challenged to see the need for change. Spiritual change can only come when I see myself as God sees me. Listen to that. That change only comes when I see myself as God sees me. Think about that. What is that saying? Exactly. What you are. Because God, there's there's nothing hidden from God, right? That's right. There's nothing hidden from God. And when we see ourselves and we're honest with ourselves about who we truly are as a Christian, as a wife, as a husband, as a mother, as a father, as a Christian working in the Lord's church. When we see ourselves truly who we are as God sees us, then change can start to happen. But only then. Of course, we receive that power and help from our Lord and God. Now, this change we're talking about, number two there, Jesus challenges us to see the need for change. Spiritual change must use the right standard. What's the standard for us? The Bible. The Bible. We have a tendency as human beings not to compare ourselves to biblical things, but we compare ourselves to others, other people. <clears throat> I'm no good because I can't do X like Jim can. I don't have the value that so-and-so has because I can't do that. A lot of times that's what falls into our, in our lives. The problem is, is we pick, we pick people as good or worse than us. I'm as good. Now, we justify ourselves because we say this right here. I'm as good as so-and-so. Are we truly being honest with ourselves when we're doing that? No. I'm as good as so-and-so. As to say, I'm equal or above so-and-so, so I'm, I'm all right. Or we say, I'm as good as that so called Christian that goes to church down there at McConnell. So will Exactly right. <coughs> or I'm I'm a whole lot better than that person. We see story in the story ever in the New Testament about that, don't we? about that you right you don't need to measure yourself That's right. Humans are really invalid standards. Our Lord left us to follow Him in 1 Peter 2 and 21. He says, follow myself, follow my ways. Be as me, as Peter wrote. That's right. That's right. Sometimes our Lord's questions in these texts and even when we apply them to ourselves today can be embarrassing for us, but they can help us wake up, make changes in our lives, cause us to relook at our loyalty to God and dedication and goals of our heart. Might even encourage us to get out of our bed of ease and follow Christ. Number three, the insights from the question, is Jesus not trying to overwhelm us here, but neither does he want us to be satisfied with mediocrity. Any goal less than perfection is degrading of the religion of Jesus Christ. Our Lord wants us to realize what it means to be a child of God. Doesn't involve living like an ordinary man, but living like God, to be unselfish, to turn the other cheek, to return good for evil, to suffer wrong instead of uh, revenge, and to forgive 70 times seven. That's what it calls upon us to do. To have a zeal for God's righteousness, not being satisfied with yesterday's accomplishments, but accomplish more today. In conclusion, our Lord says, what do you do more than others? It was intended to help us with an honest evaluation of ourselves, to help us realize the need of taking up our cross daily and following him. And to see a change in our lives. And to take that step beyond what good men do. That step beyond. And I hope that we can reach out and accept that challenge tonight. You know, it says we refer to God. God loves his enemies, right? So can we be exactly like God in that aspect? Yeah. We can love our enemies, can't we? Yeah. We can love our enemies. All right. I think they're out there. Let's let them in there, Mr. Ren.